In the Gospel reading, we hear how Lazarus is restored to life by Jesus. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are we're just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there in her house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly to go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. 
So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, and they believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Jesus, our Savior, during his ministry, raised three people from the dead. The first one was uh, the son of a widow, uh, the son of the widow of Nain. There was a, Nain was a little rural town, and uh, this uh, widow had one son, and he had died. And this son was to be her social security. He was going to take care of her, and now he had died. It was a very sad funeral, and they were tarrying this young man out to the cemetery, Jesus and his disciples were coming into town. And so um, Jesus stopped the procession and, and put his hand on the stretcher, they carrying the boy on. And he shouldn't have done that because that made him unclean. He touched something that was death. And he said to him, young man, get up. And the young man got up. And he gave him to his mother. The second person was uh, a child. She was the, uh, the daughter of the leader of the local synagogue, and uh, his name was Jairus. And she was very sick, and he had tried everything, and so he finally decided to ask Jesus to help. It must have been very humiliating for him, a leader of the synagogue, to come to this carpenter-turned-traveling-preacher but you'll do anything for your children, won't you? So he came to Jesus and, and knelt down at his feet and begged him to come and, take, and heal his daughter. And Jesus said, okay. They hadn't gotten to the house yet when word came from the house that the little girl had died. And so they said to Jesus, you don't have to come because she's dead. And Jesus said, I'm coming. When they got there, the weepers were already going. You've, you've seen on, on TV how people in the Middle East, when there's a death, they really weep and wail and make a lot of noise. You've seen that, haven't you? you know, we don't do that. For us, that's over the top. But for them, that's normal. That's what they do. And that was going on full blast. And um, Jesus said, I'm going to go in. He's, they said, He's, she's dead. 
And he said, no, I'm going to go and see her. And so he went and he said, little girl, get up. And she got up. He told his parents to give her something to eat. The third person Jesus raised from the dead, we've heard today about Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of, of Jesus. Lazarus and Mary and Martha were very good friends. They said of Lazarus that Jesus loved him. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And even though they didn't travel with Jesus, they were very, very close friends. And when Lazarus went sick, they sent for Jesus to come and, and cure him. And after he got the message, he, he didn't go. He stayed two days. And then he sensed in his spirit that Lazarus had died. And then he said, we're going to go. And by the time they got there, he was dead for four days. He'd been put in a tomb and a big rock put in front of the tomb. As he came near, one of the girls said, Lord, if you had been here, you know what this means, don't you? If you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. And the other one said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. In effect, they were, he was, they were saying, it's your fault. You're the reason Lazarus is dead, because if you had come, he wouldn't have died. So Jesus went to the tomb, and you heard the wonderful story. He said, roll the stone back, and they said, it's going to stink. You've been there four days. And he had a way of speaking to dead people, didn't he? Lazarus, come on out! And he came. Now, you, as I've told Pastor Carpenter, did you think about this in the first service? Because this is, this is what happened. You see, Lazarus was, was all wrapped up with all these bandages from head to toe. So when Jesus called him out, he couldn't walk out, so Lazarus hopped out. <laughs> and he said, untie me so I can walk! See, our Savior did, did wonderful, wonderful stuff. But I want to go back to that verse, the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. It's three words in Greek. It's two words in English. Jesus wept. Now I want to wonder about why. Why did he weep? As you heard in the, in the reading from John. Some of the biped, the, the, the people that were there, said, well, look how much he loved him. He's really touched by this, by this death. He's crying. Some have said, Jesus wept because he was going to call Lazarus from heaven back to earth, and he didn't want to do that. And he felt bad that he was going to pull Lazarus out of heaven and bring him back to earth. I don't think that's right. In the end, we don't know why, but I think, I think those tears were tears of disappointment. Disappointment that these two friends, Mary and Martha, didn't trust him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't have faith in him. And they scolded him. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. Ever been scolded? 
Have been not trusted? Yeah, I, I think that's what happened. I think those were tears of, of disappointment that his closest friends didn't have, didn't have this trust in him. Disappointment. If you think about the, the ministry of Jesus, there were lots of disappointments. I think you could write the Gospels just according to the disappointments of Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us early on that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. Who believes in your brother? So they didn't believe in him. The Gospel of Mark tells us that one time early in Jesus' ministry, Mary and Jesus' brothers and Jesus' sisters all came to see him. And I think, I think they came to see him because they wanted to take him back to Nazareth. Because they thought he shouldn't be doing that. Maybe he was bringing shame on the family. So early in his ministry, there was no, there was no support even from his mother. What a disappointment. Jesus had been talking about humility and putting other people first. And uh, one day, um, James and John. Remember James and John? He called them from their, uh, their father's name was Zebedee. Had a great name. The sons of Zebedee came to him and said, um, we'd like you to do us a favor. Well, what is the favor? Well, here's the way what we want. When you come in your kingdom, we want to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand. When you come in your kingdom, we want the choice seats. You see, they're trying to beat out Peter and Andrew to get a jump on the chief seats. That's the opposite of what Jesus had been preaching. What a, what a disappointment that the people closest to him were interested in, in their own position in heaven. One time, Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee at night. And remember, Jesus is a carpenter, and he's in a boat full of sailors. And he goes to sleep in the back of the boat. And a storm comes up, big waves, water coming in the boat. Well, these guys are sailors. And Jesus is a carpenter. What does he know? But no, they have to go and wake him up. And they say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're all going to die? Of course he cares. But you see, he trusted them. He figured they knew what they were doing. He wasn't interested in drowning. But they had these skills. They knew how to sail. And all of a sudden, they set those skills aside. It oftentimes happens in the church that when people walk through those doors, they leave their worldly skills outside. Because they think that worldly skills don't belong in the church. That's crazy. We need worldly skills. Things like management, for example. We need that. If you have a worldly skill, 
bring it through the church doors and let God sanctify them for the building up of the church. So, you know, there was, what a disappointment. He had, oh, yeah, all right, so I'll take care of you. He stops the wind and the waves. After Palm Sunday, as you know from Wednesday night, Jesus was, was, was busy preaching, teaching, and healing. And um, towards the end there, he was, he was uh, teaching in Jerusalem. And we don't know what kind of response he was getting, but it wasn't very much. And so he said these words. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets, and st- that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, And then this, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. I really wanted to take all of you and gather you together and teach you about the kingdom of God and you would have none of it. How discouraging. They turned their backs on him. And of course, at the end, one of his disciples betrayed him. One of his disciples denied him. And at the cross, all the men ran away. The only people left were the women. Thank God for the women. Because it was the women who were there at the foot of the cross watching him die. And the men had skedaddled. And as he hung there on the cross, from a human point of view, he looked like a complete failure. But that's not how he felt. The last word from the cross is this. It is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Father, the work you gave for me to do is done. It is finished. And on the cross, he was a victor. And of course, he won a victory for all of us. But so much in his life, about his ministry, was just disappointments. He's left behind his teachings. And to the extent that the teachings of Jesus are ignored, I think he is still disappointed. Seek first God's kingdom in his righteousness. That's the teaching of Jesus. How practical is that? Can you do that out there? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Can you live out there and seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness? Jesus thought you could. Most folks, I think, figure that's impractical. But there's a promise that comes after that. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all the stuff you worry about will be taken care of. What we do, we want to get all the stuff we want and then we're going to tend to the kingdom of God. We get it backwards. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and he'll take care of you. To the extent that's ignored, I think he's still disappointed. 
turn the other cheek. If a person hits you on the right cheek, let him hit you on the left cheek also. Now let us say this. That is not a principle for countries' foreign affairs. That's not advice to the State Department. But the way we interact with each other, Jesus said that's the best thing to do. If someone hits you on the right cheek, let them hit you on the left cheek. And when you do that, you do that in strength, not in weakness. Not because we're cowards, but because we're strong. So that evil does not overcome us. Turn the other cheek. If someone makes you walk one mile, walk two miles, he said. Does that, that make sense? Jesus thought it did. And when we don't do that, I think he's disappointed. Forgive 70 times, seven times. We are, after all, in the forgiveness business. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should we forgive somebody? Seven times, because that was the standard. After you forgive somebody seven times, you're out. You're out of forgiveness. You can do what you want. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Forgive 70 times seven. And he didn't mean 490 times. It's not a matter of mathematics. That's what we do. We forgive and we forgive and we forgive. And that's hard. But it's what we do. As followers of Jesus. And when we don't do that, then I think he's disappointed. But when we follow, when we do what he tells us to do, when we live out the teachings of Jesus, when we put them into practice, I think he smiles. Amen. The hymn is 418.